0: All right, our next verse is in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6. So last week we talked about the struggle overwhelms people and we who are spiritual being that we are mostly walking by the spirit versus mostly walking by the flesh, reach out in that spirit of gentleness and bear their burden. And those who should do that are the ones that feel like with the strength of the Lord, they can do that without being trapped themselves with that struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And then we finish up with that we're all responsible for our own walk with Christ and that we boast only in Christ and only he does the work. So now we go to verse 6 in our scripture. The scripture says in verse 6, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with those who teach. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And so we know that this scripture clearly lays out for us that we need to share all good things with our preacher. We need to share all good things with our teacher. Now, does that mean money? Yes, it does. It absolutely does. It means money. It means meeting needs that the word preacher has. Does it mean friendship? It most certainly does. It means that emotional connection. If you look at any of the lists, Annie Ball mentioned that pastors stay in their churches 18 months which is a year and a half. That's not long enough to figure out who everybody is. And they leave because of conflict. They leave because of financial pressures. They leave because there's just a lot of jerks in the church. That's the truth. They, they leave because they don't see any movement of the Spirit in the church. But one of the main reasons why they move is because they lack friendship, and they're very, very lonely. You don't need to let your pastor be lonely. You don't need to let him struggle. You, you need to be in the ditch with him, helping him, guiding him, and supporting him. But, but emotional support for the pastor and the ministers in the church and their families and their wives is very, very important. And you don't need to leave them on an island. And then, of course, the spiritual side. I'm not so sure. Now, in my particular case, I'm well taken care of. I have friends. I'm not lonely. I I feel like I have a support base that helps me, that encourages me. And so I've just, I have not been one of those statistics. Now, I do know that there was a time in ministry here that It was lonely, it was difficult, it was painful, it was hard. And some people will say, I'm just so stubborn, I just didn't quit. And there's probably some truth in that. I did keep on showing up and and just weathered some storms. But along the way, the Lord has provided support. He has provided friendship, and for that, I'm indeed grateful. But there's something that you need to do for your former preachers, the ones you're going to have in the future, and the ones that you have now. And I, when I say preachers, I'm including all the people that teach you the Word of God. Your, your Bible study teacher, your youth minister, your worship pastor, all everyone, everyone included your, your family life minister, everyone that teaches the Word of God to you. You need to encourage them by letting them know what benefit they have in your life, how their ministry has guided you in the spiritual walk, okay? That's really important. Two weeks ago, on a Monday, I got two letters. I don't get a lot of letters anymore. I got two letters. I got a letter here at the church that morning, and I got a letter at my house when I got home that afternoon. Now, I'm going to paraphrase both letters because they're in the trash can, so I didn't, (laughs) you know... I I don't have them to quote from. The first letter was this, you're an uneducated moron and you need to quit. Yes, sir. And that was a response to a funeral I did that I went, you know, of all the things I do, everybody always encourages me with funerals. They say, man... You did really well with that funeral. I mean, I don't know how many times I've left church on a Sunday, just preached my heart out on a Sunday morning. And so when that funeral you preached last week was really good. You know, what about the sermon I just preached? Eh, not so good. But uneducated moron, need to quit. And it said in there that I need to learn how not to... It was harm people with my communication. And first of all, it was anonymous. Second of all, there was no return address. And so uh, I don't know who it was. But that's what I got on Monday morning. Monday afternoon when I got home, I got this letter in the mail. Very interesting on the same day. Got this letter. The letter said, it's my 50th birthday. And on my 50th birthday, I challenged myself to sit down and write 50 people that have had the most influence in my life. Now, they were in our church 25 years ago, and they left. They moved to another state, and and so all those years ago, she said, I remember some things that you said and some things that you did, and 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 she mentioned that. Her child was in Walmart or somewhere, and a cuss word came out of the child's mouth that was about three or four years old, and how horrified she was about being a mom. And she came and told me about that, which I remember nothing about that. And she came and told me about that, and she said, all I did was laugh. (laughs) That way, I got that spiritual gift. And, And... And she said, you're laughing about it. Help me to realize that, you know, I didn't fail as a mom, that things happen. And it encouraged her. Now, of those two notes, in verse 6, Paul is talking about note number two. All right? Note number two makes teachers, preachers, servants of the Lord want to show up again want to keep on pressing on, not want to quit, want to keep on doing good, which is in the Scripture that we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. So maybe you need to do some note writing and and do more than say, fine sermon, meant something to me. You know, explain what their ministry has meant to you. You know, don't just evaluate the delivery, but say, in the course of time, I've learned these things from what God is doing through you. And and you need to fire up all your former preachers, future preachers, staff members, Sunday school teachers. They need to hear from you. They need to hear that they're praying about the lesson matters, that their, you know, study matters, and that they have an importance in your world. It's important not just for the preacher— It's important for the kingdom of God. Uh, Cesar down in Peru needs to be encouraged. Kyle, now you can't send him a letter because they don't have mail over there, but you can send him a text message. Text people that are serving the Lord to not fire them, but to fire them up. That's what we need to do. And that's what verse 6 says. Martin Luther said in his commentary on on this in Galatians in verse 6, he said, that most preachers don't talk about verse 6 and explain verse 6 because they don't want to seem needy or greedy. And, but that's what it says. And so if you say, well, the only reason you said that is because you're needy or greedy. No, the only reason I talked about this is because it's verse 6. I didn't write this. Right? This is what Paul said. If you don't want to, if you think that your assignment in the body of Christ is to keep the preacher humble and poor, you need to read verse 6. Share all good things with him. All right, the next one, verse 7. Just the first part of verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And he goes on in verses, the last part of 7 and verse 8 and explains to us how it's not possible to mock God. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I think it's really important to understand that the only people who can really mock God are the deceived. That's important to understand. To mock God means that you demean God. You you don't believe in God. You tease God. You make fun of God. You joke. You take God lightly. And, and, and I, I just think when you look around at this beautiful world that we have, this self-sustaining world, when you think about the beauty of it, and, and I mean, think about what would happen if it rained three inches this afternoon. It would just come alive again. Now brown pretty much. It's the way it's going to be. Trees are struggling. Hang on. But just a little rain and God's magical world will take place. I just don't think that you can, in your right mind, Without being deceived, mock God. You have to be deceived to mock God. And so Paul begins with saying, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And here's the reason that he gives that God is not mocked. For he says here, For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. That's pretty profound, isn't it? That's brilliant, actually. What you get, what you sow. Whatever you plant, you're going to get. That's just the way it is. You reap what you sow. And he says in verse 8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. So this is either for salvation application or it's for sanctification application. Or perhaps it's for both, because the principle works for both. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive eternal life. You invest in the Spirit, you get. So, this scripture here teaches us that you get what you plant. This scripture also helps us understand that not only do you get what you plant, if you sow the Spirit, sow the Spirit, sow of faith, obeying God, you are going to reap eternal life that's far more than you plant. Right? And we also know from the agricultural world that that you get more than you plant. You get what you plant. You put a potato in the ground, you get potatoes. You put a tomato in the ground, you get tomatoes. You put a kernel of corn in the ground, you get corn. That's what you get. You don't get something out. You don't walk out to your garden and say, I'm just surprised that I could be. I only plant tomatoes and I got asparagus. No, you didn't. That didn't happen. You got what you plant. And you also get far more than you plant. It's it, it, it mind-blowing to me to think about the power of a seed. Unbelievable. I mean, I've talked about this a lot, but I think about it all the time. Theoretically, you can plant one tomato seed and feed the world. It's an amazing world that God has given us. You get so much more. So we have to learn from this. We have to understand this. This is a huge warning. If you sow the flesh, you're going to get more than you can handle. Not only if you sow the Spirit, you get more of the Spirit in you. You get more joy, more peace, more faithfulness, more gentleness than you can even handle. But if you sow of the flesh, you're uh, going to get overwhelmed with sin. You're going to get overwhelmed with, with, with more flesh than you can handle. I mean, Bill Cosby did not get in trouble because he read the Word of God, believed the Word of God, and obeyed the Word of God. He got in trouble for somewhere along the way, he, he said no to the right thing and yes to the wrong thing. And before long, he's doping ladies to have relations with them. And now he's in jail or he's in trouble. I don't know where he's at. Bill Cosby, one of the funniest guys, funniest people who's ever lived, and portrayed himself... Of being the family man. And the show was hilarious back when it was on. And it was, he's an educator. He had a doctorate of education. And if you listen to the old Bill Cosby albums, you know, the heart that ate up, the chicken heart that ate up New York City, it's absolutely one of the funniest things you'd ever hear. I mean, when you, you hear a knock on the door and you go to the door and you hear, Bloom. it's a chicken heart that ate up New York City. It's hilarious. So, but anyway. But that's how Bill Cosby found himself in a mess. Because you reap what you sow, and you reap far more than you sow. You probably know someone that came to an intersection of life, and they chose the flesh, and their life is ruined. Right? Right? I'm thinking of a friend right now. I guess he used to be a friend that came to an intersection, that came to a decision. He had to either act on the spirit or the flesh, and he chose the flesh. And as far as I'm concerned, because I was in the room, and I challenged him on his decision that he had made that day, and he said, I don't care what the Bible says. That's what he told me. He says, I'm not going to forgive. And I have watched that guy through the years now. And, and, and the, the sin is out of control in his life. And he is not a happy man. That's what happens. That's what happens. So you reap what you sow. And you reap more than you sow. So God cannot Be mocked. That's what the scripture says. We need to learn from that. It needs to be a sound warning. A sound warning. Then verse 9. Verse 9 just says, In doing good, don't quit. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap we will reap a harvest if we do not give up so Paul says and look I can't think of anyone more more with the right to say that than anybody that, that we could have Paul didn't quit he hung in there and he reaped a harvest don't quit now Let us not grow weary of doing good. Let's be honest about it. Doing good is a struggle. Doing good is a struggle. And in that struggle, we are going to have hardships. We are going to face persecution, the Bible tells us. We are going to be hated. Because you see, doing good from the perspective here is exalting Jesus, loving Jesus. Loving people, helping people, guiding people, witnessing to people, standing firm in our convictions on the behalf of people, helping them to see what the Scripture ever happens. He says, doing good, brethren, doing good is going to wear you out. You're going to want to quit. You want to give up. There's going to be times that by being alone at school, alone at work, and not giving in, not being accepted by the world is going to cause us to want to give up. And because of the hardships, because we're going to see that it seems to be, it's a lie, but it seems to be much easier to go with the crowd than it is to stand up for Christ. It's much better to, to resist the crowd and stand up for Christ, but it's going to appear that you're not getting anywhere and there's going to be an overwhelming desire to give up. Paul says, listen, do not give up in doing good. Because if you don't quit, you will reap a harvest. Don't give up. Don't give up, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Don't quit. Hang in there. Don't, don't, don't fall victim to... to Just giving all up and throwing in the towel because there's a promise that we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Doing good, hearing God, believing God, obeying God, can make a a, a decision out of strong conviction that in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, you're going to keep on praying you're going to keep on praising. You're going to keep on helping. You're going to keep on caring. You're going to keep on loving. You're going to keep on giving. You're going to keep on forgiving. You're going to forgive and forgive and forgive. Even when you're taking advantage of, you're going to forgive. Because it matters more to you that Jesus be exalted your rights in a situation you're going to keep on persevering keep on believing keep on hoping you're going to keep on covering people with love for the bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sins you're going to be a friend to some people that you're their only friend they've got because you are devoted to loving people who are hard to love you're not gonna quit. You're gonna keep on hanging in there. Keep on witnessing. Keep on going. Keep on serving. Keep on doing. Doing good things without growing weary. You're not gonna give up. You're gonna hang in there. You're gonna hang in for that prodigal child. You're gonna hang in there for your wife or for your husband. You're gonna hang in there in your job. You're gonna hang in there with that Sunday school class. You're gonna hang in there with those seventh graders. You're gonna hang in there. You're not gonna quit. You're not gonna give up. Because you understand the Scripture says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And so Paul, he he just says to us, he encourages us with his Scripture. He says, Come on, folks, hang in there. Don't quit. Don't quit. Remain faithful to our Lord. And then in verse 10, in verse 10 he says, so then, I like that. I'm using English Standard Version today. That's proper there, by the way. Experts said that's proper. So then, so then, all right then. Now in Texas, you'd say, all right then. In, in classical Greek, you would say, so then, all right then. Having said all that, in other words. Having gets you to understand what these, these lessons that he's laying out there for us. So, here we are. We're not going to quit. We're going we're to sow the Spirit. And we're going to get more of the harvest of the Spirit than we can control. That that joy of the Lord is going to bubble over in us because we're sowing of the Spirit. So then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. We are to be those freaks. We are to be those weirdos. We are to be those nutcases. We are to be those knuckleheads that no matter what love. That no matter what help others. That no matter what forgive. That no matter what are just hoisting up the weird flag of grace in this graceless world that's who we're to be we are to wake up every day and, and go to work to be a freak to be different to be really different to be just outlandish out there and live for Christ that's what we are to do so then all right then as we have opportunity as we have opportunity that's really important Don't force the issue. Don't force it. Don't kick doors in. Let the Holy Spirit bring people to you as you have opportunity. Opportunity is going to present itself. Do good to everyone. Everyone is who? Everyone. Believers and unbelievers. Everyone. However, Paul says, especially. To those who are the household of faith, that's what the Scripture says. We do good to everyone, but especially the people who are in the family with us. Take care of your preachers. Love them. Support them. Guide them. Encourage them this week. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. Remember, you reap what you sow. That's important to understand. Not only do you reap what you sow, but you reap more than you sow. That's a warning to us. It's also an encouragement. Just imagine that you reap of the Spirit, you obey, you believe, you pray, you walk in obedience to Him, you abide in Him. And the result of that is going to be that you are going to have more of the Holy Spirit empowering you than you've ever had before. It'll run over. Imagine more love than you've ever had, more joy than you've ever had. And then, man, just decide. Just dig in. Anchor down. You're just not going to quit. You're just not going to give up. Listen, if this world turns upside down, which, man, what a wreck it is right now. I I have never seen it this way, and I know that you have never seen the world like it is today. It is further away from obeying God than it's ever been. It's further away from being God-honoring than it's ever been. It is absolutely crazy. We're not going to quit. By George. We're going to hang in there. We're going to dig our heels in, and for the glory of God, we're going to hang in there until he brings about the harvest. That's the promise. And as you have opportunity, every single day, as you have opportunity, you're going to do good. You're going to do good for everyone, and especially the household of faith. Decisions to be made there in that scripture in there. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you today. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to send people to Peru and to be a witness there, to, to be uh, a support and encouragement to the ministry there. Lord, for the opportunity we've had today to read your word, to study your word, to sing to you, to praise you, to exalt you. And and Lord, we're thankful that we've been able to do it today in freedom, and just we Those who chose to come are here. We're so grateful for those who've come to tell you, Lord, that they love you and they praise you. Lord, I pray today you'll guide and lead us in those decisions that you're leading different ones to make. May we make it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.